This podcast of local Brattleboro history is brought to you by Brattleboro Savings and Loan, the Bank of Brattleboro. Reggie and I have completed over 70 episodes of This Week in Brattleboro History, and we've come across quite a few interesting Brattleboro stories along the way. A story we continue to examine is the story of Brattleboro's first people. As Cat Stevens sang 45 years ago, we've been on the road to find out about our past and who we are for a while now, and along that road we have met some interesting folks. Rich Holshue is one of those interesting people. He is a Brattleboro resident and a Native American who serves on the Vermont Commission on Native American Affairs. He is active in Vermont Native American relations with state and federal governments. Our interests are similar, recognizing the stories of our past and using them to inform our perceptions of today and our plans for the future. Here's Rich explaining a bit of the First People's past in the Brattleboro area and how that past guides his actions today. Say thank you. Kitsiu Leoni, Kwai Nidomak, Indilawizi Rich, Tindai Wantastakaku Tisokwakik. My name is Rich, and I live here in what we call Brattleboro now. Hello, my friends. Thank you, Joe, for inviting me here to talk about, about the Abenaki people, the indigenous people of this area and this state, this region. Of course, boundaries don't mean a whole lot from that perspective, but I just want to say thank you. So the students have been pulling from the literature excerpts to recover the story which has basically been, has disappeared, I should say. Our progenitors here, our European progenitors, were very, very aware that there were other people here. And they spent a lot of time dealing with that. But it was an inconvenient truth, as they say, and uh, it's been written out of the history to the point where it was actually actively denied. Those times are changing because the people are still here. The phrase in Abenaki is Asqua Indalo Dibana Yodali, we are still here. So what strikes me with respect to Brattleboro in particular, and I call it Wantastagak, we don't know the original name for this place, but that is a likely choice using Abenaki naming typology, meaning at the place of what we call the West River, the Wantastuka. So this is where the, the Big Bang began, the big culture clash. Fort Dummer was built south east corner of town on the, on the Connecticut River. First, well, depending on who you talk to, British or French, first European permanent presence in the, uh, in the state happened right here. This is ground zero. And Brattleboro is a microcosm of, of a story that was repeated throughout the entire state and indeed throughout New England. There's a book by an author named Jeannie O'Brien called Firsting and Lasting, which addresses exactly that. She restricted herself to southern New England, but she went through town histories predominantly from the late 1800s, because this is when Yankee pride was blossoming. And she points out that almost everyone tells exactly the same story. There were some Indians here. They're gone now. We know the name of the, the last one. She died in 1862 or something like that. And all we have now is a, is a, a glorious memory of the, uh, the Stoic Savage. That's right here in Brattleboro as well. A graphic example is the uh, gravestone of Colonel John Sargent in the uh, Locust Ridge Cemetery in the north end of town, up off of Black Mountain Road. It, it literally is carved in stone on his marker there. It says he's the first person born in the state of Vermont. He was born in Fort Dummer. 
and he died in Brattleboro, and he was a local celebrity. But we all know he was not the first person born in the state of Vermont. There were thousands, thousands and thousands and thousands of people. We actually walk on the graves of thousands of people here. We, we don't even think about that. In academia, the change in the story began in the 1970s, basically. It's, it's incontrovertible now, although in the public mind, uh, I don't think that story's gotten very far. This is part of what Joe's working on with his students. So what does that mean? Where does that leave people who are in Brattleboro today, people who are in Vermont today? Where does that leave the Abenaki? Because they are still here. I serve on the Vermont Commission for Native American Affairs. It's a, a governor-appointed commission, and our charge is to work with and for the Abenaki and other indigenous people in the state of Vermont to advance their interests, because their interests are many, and they've been neglected. So we, we work on you know some very down-to-earth, nitty-gritty, basic things, substance abuse. It's a problem in the Native community, just as it is everywhere. We work on educational outreach within the community and to the public. Part of, the, part of our job is to raise awareness, so we have some events around that. It, it's kind of an uphill battle because the story has been mistold or downplayed, ignored, and there's a lot of misinformation out there, everything from stereotypes to downright false information and mostly ignorance. That's the biggest thing we're up against, anyone's up against. This is where education comes in. We have to reach the younger generations to tell a, a more holistic story. What what Joe's doing in the school with his co-workers is a big part of that. Others of us are out doing outreach in various forms, one of them being the news last week, week and a half ago, about Indigenous Peoples Day. That's sort of a symbolic gesture. But when you when you bring up the idea of exchanging Columbus Day for Indigenous Peoples Day, a lot of people would say, well, why? And that shows the depth of misunderstanding or lack of understanding. It's pretty easy to give an answer to that. I've been involved in that here in Brattleboro, trying to make that change here at home. Uh, again, this is where the culture clash began, so I think it's, uh, it's an important gesture to start to reverse that change here. And um, I would like to see that happen on the town level first. In the meantime, I had written to the governor, Governor Shumlin, the same one appointed me to the commission, and asked him to make a proclamation, and he did statewide. It was in effect this, this past Columbus Day slash Indigenous Peoples Day. For one year, uh, it has to be worked through the legislature to be permanent. That's a, a, a bigger challenge, and uh, we're working with other people, such as Representative Kesha Ram, to work that through the House and the Senate and make it permanent. I'm also not giving up on doing it here in Brattleboro. We're collecting signatures for an article on the warning to make that a binding resolution. Other things that are going on nowadays with the Abenaki, there's ongoing permutations of recognition. We have four recognized bands of Abenaki in the state, recognized by the state of Vermont, not by the federal government. There's a big distinction between federal recognition and non-recognition. Our history here is very deep, and most of the uh, native peoples of New England 
do not have recognition. Very, very few tribes. And that's simply because you can't get through the hurdles that have been put in place, such as paper records, year requirements. Those records are gone. Uh, Settlers did a very good job at making sure there wasn't any. So recognition is an issue. It's a complicated issue because, as some people would say, Native Americans are the only people that have to carry a card to have to prove who they are in this country. It's kind of a ludicrous situation. The rules are made by non-natives. They're defining who you are. That's a difficult game to play. And some people would say it is a game, and you shouldn't play it because it doesn't matter. It's been expressed that there were no Indians here before European contact. And if you think about it, that's true. They were named Indians by the people who contacted them. Before that, they were just themselves. And, and so it sets up this dichotomy, this us-them, the separation, who's in charge here, and that colors the whole conversation, even nowadays. However, things are shifting a little bit. Awareness of indigenous presence and relevance is increasing. The pipeline protest out at Dakota Access in Dakotas has brought that to the fore lately. Uh, but that's a good sign, human rights in general. People are not content to just sit around anymore and and take what's been handed out to them or what's been withheld from them. So charity begins at home. Right here in Brattleboro, I believe that there is a great deal of relevant culture and and, uh, heritage that we as a town can... uh, What's the word? It actually enhances our town. It's not something that people need to be afraid of. Oh, we can't do this anymore, we can't do that, this is going to cause problems. It doesn't need to be ignored. I think it could be embraced. A lot of the messages that are brought from an indigenous perspective are relevant on on a global scale right now. We're talking about climate change again, human rights, about where our values are. And um, it, it all plays out starting where you live and that goes out into the, the larger community and, and out into the world. We only have one, one of them. Uh, what are the ways that contemporary aspect plays out with the Abenaki people in today's society is the relicensing going on on the Connecticut River, which Brattleboro sits upon. Rivers being the center of Abenaki life, very water-centric people. The, uh, the relicensing of, by TransCanada of its hydro facilities going on right now. It's a federally licensed process. They're pulling uh, new licenses for Vernon, Impoundment, Bellows Falls, and Wilder. Um, just below us, also First Light is going through the same process with Turner's Falls and Northfield Mountain. As these processes go through their lengthy unfolding, it takes years because the licenses will stand in place for anywhere from 30 to 50 years. One of the parties that has statutory right to participate are the native people of an area. Here, this is the Abenaki. I am working with that community to uh, represent with them during the federal relicensing procedure to testify to the significance of this landscape, which is heavily affected by the the use of the river, by commercial interest to generate power. There's a requirement to consult with Native Americans. Again, this gets complicated because the federal law generally requires participation by what's called federally recognized tribes. Vermont has state recognized tribes, and we have indigenous people that aren't recognized at all. But this is where the ancestors are from. And it's not just about the past, it's about now. Uh, Native people still uh, worship in these places. They um, hunt and fish. It really doesn't matter that it happened then or now or in the future because a Native perspective, it's all the same. And if you think about it, it, it's quite true. We're actually made up of parts of our grandparents and our 
descendants will be made up of parts of us. There's there's only so much here. We're all part of each other. So this is this is sort of a precedent-setting situation. To my knowledge, I don't think there's been uh, native participation in what's called a traditional cultural property study in a hydro, in a federal relicensing process in New England. We're going to try to make some history here. We're going to try to recapture some history here. History goes into the future. What happens today will be tomorrow's history. Let me address in this context the concept of indigeneity. When we talk about indigenous people, the Abenaki being among the indigenous people of this area, indigeneity encompasses not only people, but it is always people associated with a place. And here's where the, the picture starts to expand to the place where it should be. The Abenaki are the people of this place. If you separate that, it's broken. They know this place the best. They've been here for a long time. And a great deal of, of that heritage has been you know, disregarded and uh, exploited or destroyed. With respect to the river itself, the water, the Vernon Dam raised the level of the water. Here in Brattleboro, we're basically sitting on a, a lake, not a live river. It came up here in Brattleboro about 15 to 20 feet in, in a, with a culture which is water-centric and lives on the edges of the water. There's a heavy toll taken on that people's presence and relationship to that place. An example being the petroglyphs, which are now underwater on the north end of town near the West River. Confluence with the Connecticut, probably best that they are protected. The fact that they are there is, is very significant. There's only two, basically two known petroglyph sites in what's now Vermont, Bellows Falls and West River. And this is not a random occurrence. They're there for a reason. They are connected to a much, much larger story as part of uh, part of what I'm working on with, with many other people to recover that story. The water definitely definitely pulls it all together. Pulling a little lesson from the Abenaki language again, the word for water is nibi, and the word for medicine, and this is not medicine as in something that comes in a pill bottle. Medicine is anything which creates health in your life. It can be actions, it can be plants, it can be ceremony, it can be a way of conducting yourself, a relationship. And the word for medicine is nebizon, and water is nebi. And you can see that within that language lesson, that water is at the heart of medicine. Water is at the heart of life. This brings us right back to what's going on at Dakota Access, where the slogan is, water is life. That is the case here in Brattleboro as well. That plays out in Abenaki culture. And the importance of the river cannot be downplayed at all. It's, it's incredibly significant. And the fact that the Abenaki have a place at the table and are participating is, uh, is a huge step in the right direction in what's going on today. And uh, I'm happy to be able to play a part in that. I'm looking forward to what will come out of it. I'm hoping that we can be an example for other people in bringing awareness, bringing recognition, uh, restoration of rights. Again, it's all connected. You climb down the bank into the water You put your feet down in the water You climb